0: Everyone, this is Manuel Shaldan, and welcome to Times Will Tell, the weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. This week, ahead of Tisha on Sunday, which commemorates the destruction of the first and second temples, I go on site in Jerusalem. To the Temple Mount Sifting Project. Founded in 2004 near the Mount of Olives, it's now at a new site called Mitzpeh HaMasuot, which is near the Hebrew University and has an auditorium and a shady picnic grove. I speak with Tzachit Vira, who is the co-director of the project. He'll explain its genesis and at the end we will wet sift a bucket of earth that was taken from the Temple Mount. Enjoy! Hi, Tzachi. Thank you for letting me join you today at the Temple Mount Sifting Project. Where are we exactly right now in Jerusalem?
1: Hi, Amanda. Uh, great speaking to you, and thank, thank you for inviting me to speak uh, with you. Uh, we are now at Mitspe Maswad, the Maswad Lookout. It's on Mount Skopos, just near uh, the Hebrew University. Um, and this site is now hosting the Temple Mount Sifting Project since 2019. This is our new location.
0: That's fantastic. Some of our listeners might hear in the background the Moazin from a nearby uh, East Jerusalem village or an Arab neighborhood. We're really within the borders of Jerusalem and we can hear buses going by and we can hear tourists here. It's, it's very bustling, actually. So, yeah. so you've been here since 2019, but tell us a little bit about how the project actually began way back when.
1: Ah, oh, wow. That's a very long story. <laughs> but we'll try and make it uh, short. Actually, in 1996, um, the Muslim authorities of the Temple Mount, Muslim Waqf, administrative authorities that uh, runs the, the, the mosque on the Temple Mount, they started converting an underground structure uh, named Solomon's Stables, which is located in the southeast corner of the Temple Mount into a new mosque. This structure was out of use for at least uh, one thousand years uh, or a bit less uh, it's it's uh, the last time it was used it was during the crusader time and it was used by the knight templars uh the knight order of the temple of solomon uh, uh, and it was used as stables of the horses this is how the name derived we're not sure exactly when was this structure was uh, founded probably in the early muslim period but uh it was neglected And they changed the status quo, you know, the political sensitivity of the Temple Mount and the status quo, and uh, every change there is very sensitive. But they they did a change in the status quo, and Israel didn't stop it. And they renovated the structure, turned it into a mosque, removed lots of debris that uh, accumulated inside the structure, That if we would have excavated it, we could really learn a lot about when it was uh, taken out of use and uh, other things. And then in, in November 1999 they wanted to create a new entrance to this underground mosque and they brought in um, bulldozers and tractors and trucks and removed about 9,000 tons of dirt with no archaeological supervision. As a, a, this dirt was removed by 400 truckloads from the Temple Mount and dumped in the nearby Kidron Valley and this was illegal, illegal, I mean, all thing was illegal. And you know, officially, the, the Israeli uh, law should be enforced on the Temple Mount. It does apply to the Temple Mount, Israel officially is sovereign on the Temple Mount. But practically, the Muslim Waqf, the police, and the Prime Minister of office, they always decide, make the decision ad hoc. Uh, according to the, uh, uh, the political interest, motivation, and political uh, reality at that, uh, at that uh, time. So this is how this atrocity happened.
0: So this dirt was under the Solomon stables?
1: No, it was uh, north to it, and they actually exposed the northern front. There are archways that in antiquity, when it was used 1,000 one years ago in the medieval times, they were open. There was an open court in front of Solomon's Stables. The whole eastern area of the Temple Mount was lower, 12 meters, than what it it, it, it is today. But Earth was accumulating in that area during the years uh, as a result of lots of uh, renovations and excavation that took place on Temple Mount. You know, it's an active site. There's always renovations. And, and everything was uh, dumped over there. So this dirt actually repre- is, represents a sample of various... Location of the, of the Temple Mount. The f- archaeological finds in that dirt is not necessarily relative, uh, relevant to that specific location. It's from de- various locations on the Temple Mount. So, studying these finds is a sample of the activity on the Temple Mount during the ages.
0: Okay, so the dirt was dumped into the Kidron Valley, most of it, because yeah. you and I have been up on the Temple Mount and seen other mounds that are still there, mounds of dirt that are still there. And then what happened?
1: And then, uh, I was a student at that time, and uh, I was curious to see what we could find in that dirt. So I um, gathered up a few of my friends, and we went over to the dump, and started, uh, um, actually we also spoke to the antiquities authority about it, and uh, they didn't uh, care less, they said it's, no, it's not, significant, not significant, and then we went over there, and uh, we started uh, collecting artifacts. But then we suddenly found out that the antiquity authority uh, didn't want us to do that. They sent over uh, the theft department and they tried to stop us.
0: Okay, so you're just a student of archaeology. Yeah. You needed somebody with big guns to help you out here. So when did you get somebody with the big guns to
1: join? Then I went to my professors and I started dating them and identifying find artifacts. <laughs> And uh, especially one of them, was his name is Gabriel Barcai. He's a prominent uh, archaeologist. Prominent,
0: Uh, definitely a big gun. A big gun,
1: especially on on Jerusalem. Right. And he suggested to the university that we're going to speak about this in a very important, popular conference about new studies about Jerusalem. It's an annual conference of the Reinhardt Institution. And uh, we gave a talk about our finds. And the Antiquities Authority tried to stop our talk. Said this is sensitive information, you can you shouldn't publish this to the public. I told them, listen, this is scientific information, you cannot hold it from the public. There's nothing here that should be sensitive. The only sensitivity is, is in the heads of the politicians. It's, i mean uh, When we published this, this, those finds, uh there was a big storm and uh antiquity authority, they blamed me as an antiquity thief. And the university of Hosp- giving hospice to uh, uh, piracy and things like that. And all the ar- archaeologists, Tarnotians, I think the authorities supported me. And then uh, a few days later, they even came to my house and raided my house with a search warrant and took me to investigation in the police. And eventually I also at a trial. Then Gabriel uh, uh, Barkay and uh, uh, myself, we talked about maybe trying to establish a systematic a project for sifting this this dirt, with a permit, with all the bureaucracy and everything. It took us about two three years. We had to to ever struggle to get this permit, and only in two thousand four we managed to get the permit, and we started to this project.
0: So in the meantime, all the earth is just sitting in the Kitwe yes. Valley, open for whoever wanders by and picks up a coin from two thousand years ago or whatever he happens to see lying exactly. On the surface. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and it was it continued to erode.
0: Rain uh, with the and rain and With the rain until the, uh, until the valley and
1: and, uh, yeah. and and more dump was dumped up, up, upon it sure. in some sections. Now um, we started the project in the end of two, of, of 2004. Uh, we managed to receive a compound from the National Parks Authority at Tsurim Valley. So we started raising funds and we thought we we're going to work for a few months and uh, that's it and sift a sample of, 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 uh, of dirt. And uh, um, because, you know, all the political sensitivity, we did this in a low profile. We didn't want to wake up bears, uh, political bears. And, uh, and, uh, but people did hear about it, and, and all sorts of groups offered their help. And gradually we realized that, first, in order to retrieve significant information and artifacts, we need the help of many people, because we have to, have to sift a, a, a large mass of dirt.
0: And, and for me, you know, as a common person who is non-archaeologist, that's one of the wonderful things about this project, actually, is that not only is it a research-oriented project, but the public can come in and help and feel and, and really hold these artifacts. I mean, for me, I never found anything significant, just a bunch of rocks, really, and maybe some pottery shards. But my son, who is currently working here, actually... Uh, has found coins here and other amazing things, mosaic tiles, just really amazing things. And that, the outreach to the public is, to me, one of the most important parts of your project, really.
1: So we discovered the educational and the touristic uh, side of this, uh, the potential of this project, uh, uh, gradually. And we also, I mean, we, we, it's, uh, we have an expression uh, of uh, ants' work. It's a tedious work, and it needs lots of patience. And you have to sift a lot. So first you have, uh, we'll speak about the statistics later on, but but to have nice samples of frequent finds. But also the special finds are are rare, but you have to sift a lot and then you find it. It's like like, um, mining for diamonds. (laughs) And we developed a wet sifting technique that we actually retrieve 100% of the finds. So there's many types of finds that only we find them and other excavations don't find them.
0: And this technique, I'll just add, uh, from my conversations with other archaeologists who are working at excavations, the technique has been adopted by so many since the sifting project has begun.
1: Yes, so at the beginning, and still till, till today, those excavations they sent us, they the do it. And we started giving wet services.
0: Okay, so let's talk about some of the more interesting finds. Uh, As I mentioned to you before we started recording, we're doing this before Tisha B'Av, which talks about the destruction of the temple, of course. And all of what you have here is from the destruction of the temple and, and later periods after that. So I know that there was a huge media storm about, what, 10 years ago when Frankie Snyder and uh, Gabi Barcai started investigating the flooring pieces. Can you talk about that first of all?
1: Um, okay, so I'll speak of the flooring pieces. Now the flooring pieces, flooring tiles, uh, actually the, the guy who discovered the significance of those flooring tiles is a Safavram. Ah, uh, your neighbor, my neighbor. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Safavram. Doctor Safavram is an archaeologist uh, that is today's expertise is um, ancient building techniques. Um, but he, those days he was working at the, as an archaeologist in, this, in, this, in the project, and he realized that we have we, we had lots of floor tiles in different shapes, geometrical shapes. And various colors uh, from different marbles that were imported to Israel from uh, Greece, Asia Minor, North Africa, and uh, and also some local fine stones like uh, pink limestone or, or, or bituminous limestone, which is uh, black, and uh, or alabaster from Egypt. And so we realized this is a really a really lavish floor, um, and he actually realized that this is the opus sectile. These are all part of an opus sectile floor. What is opus sectile? Opus sectile is a Latin term that is an archaeological term that that describes a flooring technique that you create a, um, a pattern of floor tiles, geometrical floor tiles that repeats itself. So a self published an article that suggested that Josephus, when he describes the Second Temple, he says that all of the courts that were open to the sky, uh, that were around the temple. I mean, these are the courts that are, you had two compounds on the Temple Mount. The, the first sacred compound and the second. And, and, and the second was the compound really close to the temple, and the first was where you had all the protocols around the Temple Mount and all the large compound. That was the major space on the Temple Mount. So we discovered that those compounds were paved with stones of all colors and all sorts. No one of the scholars thought this is opposite because this is something. W- this would b- would be something unprecedented.
0: So, what's the earliest find that you have uh, come across here? First of all, uh, for, no, we have finds from the
1: uh, um, Neolithic period, from the pre-pottery um, period uh, of the Neolithic period. This, this means about six, seven thousand years uh, 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 BC. But it's very small find, It's very few finds. We are from the Chalcolithic period, uh, the early bronze, uh, the middle bronze. But all the finds that uh, predate the first temple, are about less than half percent. because mm-hmm. okay, this, I mean, people did wander around there, or it was maybe an agricultural uh, uh, compound, like it's mentioned, like it's described in the Bible. And we do have from the late bronze some finds. Um, uh, and it's only because we've sifted. So we find these small things like imported pottery uh, and we have a, a finger of Egyptian statue mm-hmm. an amulet from faience from the 13th century BC. But the the major finds comes from, uh, and we have some scarabs also, and uh, but, but the major finds comes from the 10th century BC, from 3,000 3, years ago, from the time that is associated with King Solomon. And we not only have pottery, we also have a seal from that period, which mm-hmm. attests administrative activity. We have an arrowhead. Now, it's only one arrowhead, but one arrowhead among eight that were found in all Israel from this period, it's a lot. Sure. And you know, this is even be- better, better than an excavation, because in an excavation, you get information, very specific information about a specific location, a specific structure, specific layers and when you do a survey and today what we have is much better than a survey it's a it's a excavation survey statistical yeah statistical analysis yeah, with, with a very with a vast uh, uh, sample you get a better understanding of the general activity that took place at the whole site <laughs> so the statistics this is the main key of this project because uh, we have so much and I'll get into this some the special finds. Soon, but the pottery, the bones, the animal bones, the the glass shards, um, and many other uh, finds that the coins we have 7,000 coins that we found till now they enable enable us to, 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 to do statistical examinations and tests that usually are not possible in, in other excavations because you don't have such you, you don't have uh, such big samples.
0: Really fascinating. I mean it's so difficult to imagine uh, working under these conditions because as you said most archaeologists are working in stratified layers and here we have something that's basically gone through a blender and then you're trying to put it back together after that. Now
1: Some people uh, uh, compare what we do to, to CSI.
0: Uh, right. <laughs> uh, and,
1: and yeah, so w- when it, w- when the crime, and this is also a crime. What happened? But but w- when the criminals are very sophisticated, you need better uh, uh, techniques. Uh.
0: Now, what is something that can connect us to either Tisha B'Av or to the Bible or to to the temple itself?
1: Our sages say that the first temple was was destroyed because of uh, idolatry. We have lots of figurines, clay figurines. That have ancient, ancient fractures. They were broken in antiquity, and some scholars believe that these fractures uh, were deliberately, and and associate this with the, with a reform of King Josiah. We said that he actually smashed and broke all the molten images in the temple. These figurines are found in all Judah, but a lot in Jerusalem and in the Temple Mount, and. Uh, and we did a research about these figurines and uh, also in the refuse dump below I found a lot of them also but what we found out is special about the temple mount is that it's more let's say um conservative figurines okay it's, 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 it's you know it's it's funny for a modern Jew to speak about these you know speak about idols so this is not conservative I mean, this is idols and, but also in those days it was like the regular and they were that that was that were more influenced by, by the foreign uh, nations. So so uh, so actually we have only Judaite, uh, figurines, and we don't have the foreign figurines. And we also have some types that are more frequent over here, like a, like a lion and things like that. But but everything is smashed and and and, and broken. Now, we have, a very nice evidence from the. Uh, for the dis- destruction of the first temple, we have an uh, uh, arrowhead uh, that was used by the Babylonians. It's for, called from a siskito iranian type of arrowhead, and it was shot probably on the days before uh, the in the Bible mentioned seventh of Av and tenth of Av. Uh, uh, there's two versions, but in those days, shot over the temple, and we also have lots of artifacts that we have that have burnt marks. This is especially in the second temple. In the second, first, some of the tiles, the flooring tiles, also have burnt marks. But we also, also have some uh, Herodian eg- engravements uh, of from, from uh, elaborate uh, uh, structures. Maybe even the temple itself. Uh, you cannot say if it's a temple or one of the structures near the temple, but with a very fine, uh, um, uh, lavish engravement of King Herod, uh, artists floral, usually for floral designs like Syracanthus leaf, and uh, some of the, and and these are small pieces that actually were smashed, and it actually exploded because of the immense heat during the destruction, and you can see also a crust of of, uh, plaster, uh, the lime became plaster, and then became, became lime t- together, b- b- again. And, and, and uh, so you can see this. We, we, even uh, we have a famous half-shekel coin. half-shekel coin that was given as tax to the temple or, t- or donation to the temple uh, from silver. And silver preserved v- very well. But this coin is, is really distorted from the... F- you can see, it's burnt.
0: Melted from the heat yeah, of the fire. Yeah,
1: f- it was minted in the first year mm-hmm. of the Great Revolt. Mm-hmm. And then it was caught in the heat three years later. And it says on one side, chatsi shekel, half a shekel, on the other side, Yerushalayim Holy Jerusalem. Uh, yeah. And, and we have arrows that the Romans used against the Jews. So this is what we have meanwhile. I hope we'll have some more in the future. And uh, how
0: much more earth is there left to be sifted from the original dump? And then there's also the earth on the Temple Mount.
1: Yes, uh, there's about another 20%. It's another f- uh, five years, approximately. It depends on the pace of, of, of volunteers. If, we'll, if tourism will be re- restored in Israel and we'll have many, many uh, groups coming in and many schools coming in, we could, we could even find, finish it earlier. So whoever listening to us and didn't participate in sifting, so hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
0: uh, and can you get the earth from the top Mount? From the Temple Mount,
1: uh, it's so problematic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. many politics around it. And sure. today, even it just gets worse over there.
0: Okay, Tzachet, let's go uh, sift a bucket. Great, okay. Hi, it's Sarah Tuttle Singer from the Times of Israel. Come join our community and support fast and fair independent journalism. You can sign up with the link at the bottom of every single article on the site. Okay, Zachi, let's grab a bucket and uh, start going to work.
1: let's go over here. So as I said, first we do the dry sifting. And and, um, we remove all the dirt. This is uh, this our staff is doing the the dirty work and but still there's some dust that remains uh, that covers all the all the stones and artifacts so it's difficult to differentiate between natural stones and the artifacts so this is why we do this wet sifting
0: okay.
1: let's take a bucket
0: mm-hmm.
1: We pour the bucket on
0: the screen. <laughs> so really, it looks like a, a muddy, rocky mess muddy, right now. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. And we wash the bucket, like, upside down. Again. And then we spread the material on the screen. Okay. And then we, uh, we we spread the material, and then we start washing the material. Now, speaking about the B'Av, you see this gray texture of the material, the gray texture of the of the soil. That's because it's full of ashes.
0: The gray texture is full yeah. of the
1: ash. And okay. and this is true to all Jerusalem. Uh-huh. All ancient Jerusalem, every place you will excavate in Jerusalem you'll have a grey greyish uh soil. And once you reach natural soil, like the terrarossa soil, the reddish terrarossa soil, or renzina, which is light yellow, then you know you reach to a faith that is before the destruction of the first temple. Oh, wow. Uh, because the, the fire was so, uh, uh, so immense that... that, 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 that uh, especially after the second temple destruction, that it's uh, just... Yes. Uh, Tinted, all of the, the uh, dirt uh, layers above. Until today. Yeah, with, with gray. So over here, actually, everyone who sifts, touches, ashes from the destruction of the of the temples.
0: Because it's unavoidable.
1: Yeah, and some, and and the, even you know, there's the a custom. I just custom to put uh, ashes on the forehead uh, uh, d- during the wedding in the chuppah, when you remember Jerusalem so many uh, um, many grooms uh, come over and take some uh, dirt uh, and, and use that instead..
0: Nice. Okay. Okay. So once, once
1: so I so wash everything. It looks like a is is wash everything until you see all the colors. <laughs> and you don't see this. You don't see the ashes. Uh-huh. I want to get rid of all the ashes. Uh-huh. And we're not we're not uh, destroying. Now we're saving. So uh, we don't want destruction. And and I started uh, start collecting the pottery. So the best thing is to to work systematically from one side to another. Move the rocks, and then once you encounter something that doesn't seem like a natural rock, you pick it up, like these. This is a base. Of, an, of a small jug. Uh, I thought at the beginning it's a, it's a bowl, but I think it's a jug, because uh, I can see that the in- interior part,
0: the
1: finishing is not smooth. So it's a closed vessel. And this is a disc base. Uh, of what jug, I cannot tell. Uh, um, maybe medieval, I don't know. I have to, uh, there's experts in every field, as I said as many pottery I can identify like this this is first temple this is just about the fabric I could say that this is the first temple period uh, probably a cooking pot so we have six categories we have the we have the what we keep we have the pottery we have metals we have glass vessels you can see this is ancient glass it was made uh, handmade uh, very nice turkish blue Uh, uh, I think it also has a pattern over here but there's an expert on glasses. So uh, um, so I cannot tell for when it is and exactly what it is over here and also so we also have a mosaics. Uh, this is a fragment of a glass mosaic, a green glass mosaic that was used on the dome of the rock in the eighth century. Here you can see a nice you can see this region. This is very typical to the Byzantine period. This is a jar, Byzantine jar. When I say Byzantine, I'm referring to the time. It's a Roman period. The Roman Empire became Christian, and and uh, this is a, this is a fourth till a, a seventh century CE. And uh, the time of the Talmud. And uh, in those days, Jerusalem was Christian. Jews were not allowed to in Jerusalem, and the big question is what, was it, what happened with the Temple Mount because many books will say it was a garbage dump. The, the Christians didn't want uh, any buildings on the Temple Mount because they didn't want to contradict Jesus' prophecy that not one stone will remain upon another. But we find lots of artifacts from this period and also artifacts that are not part of refuse or something like that. that uh, usually they used to re- reconstruct them in antiquity. Uh, like mosaic cubes like this one, uh, we have about half a million of them. And 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 uh, and I also found uh, when I did some um, um, research in the archives of the British Mandate period, they, there was a documentation of renovations that took place in the Luxor Mosque during the uh, early 40s of the uh, previous century, and uh, in these renovations. They encountered a mosaic floor, a visiting mosaic floor.
0: This was after the earthquakes? Oh, after
1: the 1937 earthquake.
0: It's suddenly gotten
1: very busy so, here. You have, you have any idea what a new group came in? Oh. What, what this is?
0: It looks like a shell to me. Like a shell? I'm not very good at this. <laughs> yes. Maybe uh,
1: yeah, a fossil. We also have fossils okay. over here. Okay. What <laughs> is and Recently, we heard about a, f- a shark teeth fossil that found in City of David. We have many shark teeth uh, uh, t- fossils of, also over here. So uh, well, that was those were the first who did the research about it. So this is a fossil. I don't know what it is. Some kind of a shell, probably. A, n- a very nice fossil. Uh, holy fossils. <laughs> <laughs> bones okay Mm -hmm. i'm surprised this is the first bone because usually we have more bones in each bucket Uh, so it's animal bones we have many burnt bones of 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 uh, of sheep and 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 cows and no pig maybe we have pigs we have many pigs and these pigs about eight percent are pigs but these pigs could come from the uh, Crusader period, or from the Byzantine period, or from the Hellenistic period. We, we still, we have to date them, and it's very expensive to date them because you have to do carbon, carbon dating. It's not like like a cultural uh, artifact that you have different styles, and then you can date them by the styles. This, you, uh, the bones look the same in each period. And, and uh, there are some differences sometimes in, uh, but in domesticated, in domesticated um, domestic domesticated uh, animals the do uh, change a bit but but still the only way to date those uh, bones is with carbon 14 inch. and you know sometimes you have to pay $400 for each each test so we will we, 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 we'll, we'll save this to the end and we'll do what we can uh, with, a, with a specific species that will after we sort them, the bones will date specific piece, species that we think that, we, that uh, we'll suspect that they come from one period. We take what we collected in our tray, and we're going to sort them. So we put all the pottery with the pottery. The fossil, and we go with the special stones. The iron slags, will go with the metals. Um, the bone with the bones. And we have here the mosaic pieces and the glass. Later on. Uh,
0: uh,
1: at the end of the day. At the end of the day, uh, we wash all the material, we let them dry on the trays, and then the, later on. The archaeologists on site they sort, they do a preliminary sorting of the of those buckets, and they sort them to different categories. And all the non-indicative, non-indicative uh, artifacts, they we, have to, we discard them, and uh, and and then we collect all the special, uh, all the all the indicative uh, artifacts in, into various categories. Those categories later on go to the lab, and they are studied by the other experts which first dates them to different uh, the periods and then to different, and then identifies them and sorts them to different classes and types. And then do all the further analysis and look for parallels and literature and, and, and statistics. and It's a whole process of, of, of something that looks like, uh, as you said, uh, mud, mud, muddy stones, which uh, all process that becomes, uh, uh, you reveal the meaning of it once you sort everything.
0: Sahi, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, and it's been always a pleasure.
1: You, uh, you're most welcome. You're most welcome.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Times Will Tell, and a special thanks to TLV1 Studios for sound production help. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to Times Will Tell on all podcast platforms.